Hello folks, I'm your host Dale Pollard, and I'm your co-host Carl Pollard, and you're listening to The Bible's Not Boring. It's a podcast, and it's aimed at proving its name with each and every episode. I think I'll have what I'm having. Noise. Hi, I have been trying to find an eventriloquist that will assist me in wedding myself and my dog in Holy Matrimony. So if you can assist me in this task, it will be very much appreciated. Please give me a call back. Thank you. Hello, hello. How's it going? Dear Pilgrim, you're listening to Season 2, Episode 2 of TBNB. And if you're a first-time listener, we just began a series called Mythical or... Factual. Mm. And we're kicking around some fascinating biblical topics. Yes. You know, last week we talked about the Ark of Noah. This week, we're talking about another Ark mentioned in the Bible. And it's just as mysterious. Truly, truly. Now, I'd like to thank uh, Pat Cowden for his insight on the subject. He's uh, the outreach minister for the Chase Park Church of Christ. Mm. Uh, mega intellectual. Yes. <laughs> you know that's right. Okay. Great info. And uh, you know, we're going to kick off this episode with his short audio clip. It's about six minutes long, uh, but it is packed with some good information. So uh, you're going to enjoy it. I know you will. And then we'll jump into some uh, discussion of our own. Yeah, that's right. You know, so get ready to listen, boys. Hey guys, welcome to The Bible Is Not Boring, the podcast put together by Dale and Carl Pollard. I want to thank them for asking me to participate in this. In this morning's episode, we're going to be talking about where is the Ark of the Covenant today? Can we know it? Will we ever find it? And what's the significance of it? And I'd like for us to begin in 2 Chronicles chapter 12, and verse 9. It says, So Shishak king of Egypt came up against Jerusalem and took away the treasures of the house of the Lord and the treasures of the king's house. He took everything. He also carried away the gold shields which Solomon had made. This passage sets the scene for the 1981 movie Raiders of the Lost Ark. And as you can remember, if you've seen that movie, Indiana Jones is an adventurer and an archaeologist. Uh, he was hired by the U.S. government to find the Ark of the Covenant before Hitler and his Nazi henchmen could find it because they believed that it still had all these mysterious supernatural powers and they didn't want that, that power to fall into the hands of Hitler. Uh, interest in the, the whereabouts of the Ark of the Covenant has intrigued men since it was taken away. And we know it was away from Israel uh, at least a number of times. And so, um, although Steven Spielberg uh, was off a little bit in his timing, uh, since Jos- Josiah reigned between 640 and 609 B.C., and he mentions put- putting the ark in Solomon's temple in Second Chronicles 35 and verse 3, and Shishak took away the treasures of the house of the Lord sometime around 980 B.C. So, either... Shishak did not take the ark, or if he did, he returned it sometime in those 300 plus years. Some people today claim that the ark was taken to Aksum in Ethiopia by Menelik. Now, Menelik was allegedly uh, the, the love child, if you will, between the Queen of Sheba and Solomon when she came to visit uh, Solomon. Supposedly, 
uh, Menelech, about 20 years later, when he was about 20 years old, uh, he came to visit his father in Jerusalem. And the slave young men that came with him on that trip supposedly secretly stole and carried away the Ark of the Covenant back to uh, Ethiopia. And when he uh, found out that the Ark was there and he realized that God had not destroyed them like he had other people who had mishandled the Ark, uh, think of uh, Uzzah, if you will, uh, with God being very specific about the manufacture and the transportation of the ark. And here you find Menelik allegedly back in Ethiopia finds out the ark is there and nobody's been killed, nobody's been destroyed. He perceives that to be mean that it is the will of God that they keep the ark and that they keep it in Ethiopia. Uh, supposedly, uh, this ark was taken away to, uh, to Aksum, in Ethiopia where it is now at the Church of Our Lady of Mary of Zion. The Ark is allegedly guarded by a succession of virgin monks and has been for some 25-2600 years. These monks are praying day and night. They are burning incense in the presence of the Ark and paying tribute to the God of the Bible. Nobody except the guardians of the ark have ever been allowed to see the ark since it was brought to this, this place in Ethiopia. There are, uh, as of 2008, there were 125 uh, virgin monks at this uh, sacred site who were tasked with uh, the guardianship of uh, the Ark of the Covenant. Uh, one reporter from the Smithsonian uh, went there to try to get some answers about it and he actually was one of the very few non-religious leaders that had ever been granted access to one of the guardians and he asked him a series of questions of which the guardian would answer none of them. Uh, he was not uh, granted access to see the ark. Nobody according to them has ever seen the ark except uh, the guardians. Uh, kind of convenient yeah, if you ask me. Uh, I believe that the whereabouts of the true Ark of the Covenant are unknown and unknowable. And like Noah's Ark, if God wanted us to have the Ark of the Covenant, then we would have it. Uh, we would be in possession of it. We'd know where it is. We would know uh, that it is uh, still intact and, and the contents of it are still there. And although it's interesting to inquire about it, it, ha it really has no uh, spiritual significance for us today. I, I would like to close with this thought. It would be hard for us to improve upon uh, the, the whereabouts of the ark and about the significance of whether it's still in existence today. It'd be, it'd be hard for us to improve upon this line from the movie Raiders of the Lost Ark from Salah. Salah was Indiana Jones's helper and this is what he had to say about the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark, if it is there at Tanis, then is something that man was not meant to disturb. Death has always surrounded it. It is not of this earth. I would submit to you that although interesting to talk about, interesting to speculate about, it really has no significance. It's not part of what 
God wants us to have in order to be saved and be in a in a right relationship with Him, and we can have uh, fun and we can we can have interesting conversations and speculation about it. But uh, but like with all these other things that I believe that God. Uh, purposely has withheld from us so that we would not do what these people in Ethiopia have done, which is set up a shrine or an icon to it, uh, that it's just not meant to be. Uh, I don't believe we'll ever find it, don't believe we'll ever find the um, uh, Noah's Ark, uh, and for those reasons, because God uh, has given us all things pertaining to life and godliness, and all those things are included in His inspired Word, the Bible. Thanks again for your time. I uh, hope this was interesting to you, and thanks again to Dale and Carl for doing this. Uh, the Bible indeed is not boring. Whispers claim it was an ancient weapon of mass destruction. Others claim that it was an object built by extraterrestrials. But we both know that ain't true, right, Carl? Carl? Hey. Well, yeah, I don't know, man. <laughs> yeah, okay, we know that ain't true. All yeah, right, there's no. a lot of stuff no. floating around about the Ark of the Covenant if you were to look on the YouTube or the World Wide Web. Right. And some of those things, you know, that don't have very much backing to them mm-hmm. uh, as far as, you know, some legitimate hard evidence, they are really interesting to think about. One of, one of my favorite theories talking about the Ark is uh, that it's in Ethiopia. And actually, the New York Times even mentions it and says uh, that the Ark has been in Ethiopia for 3,000 years since the time of, of Solomon and uh, that it's this relic that's guarded by a single monk with nothing more dangerous than a wooden cross in his hand. And that's a quote from <laughs> the New York Times. Oh. Well, the Smithsonian Magazine, uh, I think probably a little bit more reliable and trustworthy, uh, goes on to say <laughs> this about it. It says, according to the first book, Kings, King Solomon built the first temple in Jerusalem to house the Ark. It was venerated there during Solomon's reign, 970-930 B.C. and uh, beyond. But it vanished. Uh, they do say that uh, Jewish tradition holds that it disappeared before or while the Babylonians sacked the temple in Jerusalem in hmm. 586 B.C. But through the centuries, Ethiopian Christians have claimed that the Ark rests in a chapel in the small town of Aksum in their country's northern highlands. It arrived nearly 3,000 years ago, they say, and has been guarded by a succession of virgin monks who, once appointed, are forbidden to set foot outside the chapel grounds until they die. That sounds crazy. That but sounds crazy. Probably it's not fascinating, true. <laughs> but it's like, they're like, oh, we have the ark, but here's the thing no one can see it. And also, if you claim. Just take our word for it. It's, yeah, Just, it's like, but like those poor monks, they like, they have no to. No like, need to dig in. They're sworn it. to yeah. all this secrecy and stuff. Like, he's like, okay, finally, here it is. And then they go in and they find out that it's a hoax or it's fake. And then now they can't well, ever leave. Now they can't leave the chapel grounds <laughs> for the rest of their life to tell the rest of the world that, hey, they're kidding. It's a tourist trap to try and, mm. you know, get money and souvenirs and things. Nope, nope. This isn't going to be a podcast of speculation. No, it ain't going to be we're no gonna speculatory dabble, We're going to dabble a little bit, but we're going to break down 
this podcast into three sections. What is it? What it be? What was its purpose? What it do? And where is it now? Where it be? Exactly. And so diving right on in. What is it? You got Exodus 25.10. Yes. Moses is commanded to build the Ark of the Covenant. It's a, mm-hmm. a sacred chest built according to specifications given by God. Just specifications? Specific, specific, specifications given by God. There it is. Just, just like uh, Noah got his instructions from God in building his Ark, which we talked about in last week's podcast yep. episode. But it, uh, this, this Ark is mentioned over 40 times in Scripture. God pledged to dwell with his people and give them guidance from the mercy seat on the ark. Okay. So we have this chest, right. if I'm hearing you right. Yeah. Exodus 25.10, Moses commanded to build it out of acacia wood, covered hmm. inside and out with gold, and it was approximately 45 inches by 27 inches by 27 inches. And at the bottom where the feet were, were four golden rings where poles would be inserted through so they could transport the ark because you can't touch it. Yeah, and if and you only know the high priest, could if you know your Old Testament history, mm. you know of a guy who decided to ignore the rings on the side of the ark. Saw that it was slipping. Good intentions. Was slipping. Yeah, he had good intentions. His name is Uzzah. The ark's about to fall off this wagon, which they weren't supposed to be carrying on a wagon in the first place. Mm. He touched it, and then zap. zap. Zap, he did. Gone. Right and actually, down. Pat brings that up in his. Yeah, yeah. But th- as we're thinking about the ark, it's not that big. No. Not near as big as Noah's. Mm-mm. 45 inches, 27 by 27. The lid, though, was made mm. of... That's the cool thing. Yeah, the, the lid is like, that is what catches your eye. If you've seen pictures of the ark, uh, you know, artistic representations uh, of this thing, the lid was made of solid gold with two golden cherubim. Fa- is cherubim, when you're talking about... Uh, multiple cherubims. Do you say cherubims, cherubi, cherubai, cherubai, cherubu, cherubai, cheribu? That sounds right. That sounds right. Yeah. 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 There were two cherubu facing each other with their wings stretched out over the lid, Exodus 25, 22. And inside of it, you had the Ten Commandments, and then later on, you had a pot of manna and Aaron's staff that were added to the ark. Now, what's the significance of Aaron's staff, though? Because when you think about a mm. powerful staff in the Bible, I'm sure what comes to your mind, because it comes to my mind as well, is the staff of Moses. Yeah, yeah. So there's actually a few reasons why these items were inside the ark. Ten Commandments were the, the laws given to the Israelites to help them, you know, live as a nation is supposed to, according to God's word. The second copy the of second the law. Copy. Yeah, first one got broken. And then you had a pot of manna, which is what the Israelites would eat while they were in the desert, showing that God provided for them. And then you had Aaron's staff. Very interesting thing here. Mm-hmm. Exodus chapter 7, when God commands Aaron and Moses to go before Pharaoh, he tells Aaron to throw down his staff, and it turns into a snake, and Aaron's rod is the one that ate the Egyptian magicians. That's hard to say. Egyptian magicians. Snakes. So you have Exodus chapter 7, Aaron's rod turns into a snake, but then number 17, God tells the Israelites, or the 12 tribes, he says each one of them should present a staff, and whichever staff budded overnight, had plants growing out by the morning time, that was the tribe that God would pick to be the high priest. So Aaron's rod, as we see in number 17, uh, budded and in the morning actually had blossoms of almonds on it, hmm. showing that the tribe of Levi 
was actually the tribe for the high priests. Now, you, you mentioned something that is mm. pretty crazy that we need to bring up in a future episode. It's those uh, Egyptian magicians. Yes. That, if you remember that account, they throw down their staffs as well, and they turn into snakes. Mm. And then it's Aaron's uh, staff that eats their other snakes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that eats their other snakes. How in the world did those Egyptian magicians turn their staffs into snakes. It says in Exodus chapter 7, dark sorcery. Oh. So we'll have to look into that in a later episode. We're, we're going to need to dabble into that as very well. Very interesting. Well, back, to the, back to the Ark. Yes. What was its purpose? So the Ark was a foreshadowing of the new covenant. So in the Old Testament, you know, the, the people couldn't approach God and receive forgiveness personally. They had to go through the high priests, because the high priests were the ones that could approach God and enter into the Holy of Holies and approach the mercy seat, the Ark of the Covenant, and plead on the people's behalf for their forgiveness. But then you transition into the New Testament, and Christ actually replaces the Ark, and he becomes the way to salvation. You look at Numbers chapter 7, verse 89, God speaks to Moses from the mercy seat. But once a year, the high priest would uh, make atonement for the people of Israel by sprinkling the mercy seat uh, on the top of the ark with the blood of sacrificed bulls and goats. So you're thinking about a, a nation that depends on the high priests for the forgiveness of sins. They couldn't approach God directly, but now in the New Testament, Christ is the uh, representation of the ark. Basically, we approach him and he is the one that is able to forgive us of our sins by approaching God. So no longer do we have to rely on high priests and sacrificing bulls and goats, but we can look at Christ showing how amazing our relationship is now because of the new law as opposed to the old law. Yes. And uh, I want to back up just briefly. So you might have heard uh, the, the legend of the, the high priest happened to have a uh, rope tied around their ankle. So if they <laughs> yep. went into the Holy of Holies, uh, if it didn't go well in there and they were struck down dead, then they would actually use the rope to pull the high priest back out. Now, that hmm. is pretty terrifying, um, but there is no biblical or historical basis uh, to this claim. Nope. So it's a story. Uh, it's a story. It's a story. It's a story. Just yeah, so, uh, like a lot of things surrounding the Ark of the Covenant. Right. And so the high priest, like, you know, when they would approach the Ark of the Covenant— uh, they would be approaching the mercy seat. And actually, that word in the Hebrew stands for atonement. Hmm. So they would be approaching uh, the mercy seat so that they could receive atonement for the nation of Israel. So the, the lid of the ark was called a seat um, because that's where the Lord was enthroned there between these two uh, cherubim. And he would help r- rule and guide the nation as he promises uh, when Moses was commanded to build it. And we do need to emphasize something very quickly here, and that is this was a very important artifact for the Jews. Yes. They couldn't touch it. Uh, It was their only way to receive forgiveness of sins, but only through the high priests. They couldn't see it. They couldn't approach it. They couldn't go to the Holy of Holies, only the high priest from the tribe of Levi. But now we have access at any time, and that seriously uh, is something that we shouldn't take for granted no, at all. No, uh, we have something pretty incredible today mm. uh, as Christians. So where is it now? That's the big question. That is the question. So if you were to go out on a quest mm. and look for the Ark of the Covenant, here, here's, th- these might be a few good starting places for you. Yeah, now 
During the Israelites wandering in the wilderness, the ark was actually stored in the tabernacle, and it was carried by the priests that were from the tribe of Levi. And when the Jews got to Canaan, it was eventually placed in Solomon's temple after he built it. And the last time it's mentioned, like Pat said, is in 2 Chronicles 35, 1 through 6. Now, here's, here's some interesting things here, though. Some extra biblical writings, and let me explain to you what I mean by extra biblical. It does not mean it is extra inspired in any way, if that's what you were thinking. Uh, I, I definitely used to think that. Uh, but extra biblical writings uh, are basically ancient uh, manuscripts, historical manuscripts, um, that basically prove what the Bible's already saying. And some of these manuscripts are written around the, the, the same time. And sometimes they would go a little further than what is said in Scripture and do some speculating of their own. That is true. Uh, Some of it could be true. Some of it might not. There's no way to know for sure because it wasn't inspired. But 2 Maccabees says that the ark was taken by Jeremiah. And actually, I think you have the verse, right? Yeah, i got to pull it up right here. So 2 Maccabees 2, starting in verse 5, it says, Jeremiah came and found a cave dwelling, and he brought there the tent and the ark, and the altar of incense, and then he sealed up the entrance. Some of those who followed him came up intending to mark the way, but they could not find it. When Jeremiah learned of it, that they were trying to mark the way, he rebuked them and declared, The place shall remain unknown until God gathers his people together again and shows his mercy. Then the Lord will disclose these things, and the glory of the Lord and the cloud will appear, as they were shown in the case of Moses, and as Solomon asked that the place should be specially consecrated. Uh, so that's that's the exact quote. Uh, yeah. So so basically, Second Maccabees two says that Jeremiah the prophet took it to Mount Nebo, hmm. where he hid it in a cave and sealed it off, and they weren't able to find it again. And Jeremiah says, "You're not going to be able to find it until God reveals Himself again," uh, and basically comes back to the Ark of the Covenant. Interesting theory. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. But it, is it inspired? No, it's that's not. That's a negative. It's a double negative. And that is just one. Of many, many theories. Yeah, the, the Ark at St. Mary of Zion Church in Axum, which I opened up with talking about that. Uh, my personal favorite, uh, just because one, it's mm-hmm. hilarious. Two, it's also very fascinating because very. I want to know what they have in there. And sometimes you just can't. Sometimes you just can't. Like the, mm-hmm. t- the tomb of Machpelah, which we mentioned in last, last week's episode, which we're going to talk about at some point. Mm-hmm. Uh, this tomb is got a lot of very fascinating things that go along with it. And there was even these people that broke into it and lowered Whoa. down someone in a, on a rope with a video camera to take videos no of what way. was inside this tomb. It's pretty cool. We'll talk about that one on a future episode, also as well in a way of sense. Mm. But there's another theory that says that the Copper Scroll, one of the Dead Sea Scrolls, uh, is a treasure map which gives the location of the Ark. As cool as that seems. Yes, it's, it's like awesome. national treasure, you I know, you got to follow this map. There is no inspiration to it. Nope. Uh, and there's another theory that says that it's in a tunnel under the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. Hmm. Uh, but none of these theories have been proven as true. It is speculation, but it is some mighty fine and cool speculation to spectacle about. Yeah, but you know, there's like a million of them. If, if you're mm-hmm. to look... Uh, Online or you know books and stuff. You, I mean, you can find all different kinds of locations that mm. people are uh, speculating about. Like they'll they'll say uh, one I found said that it was in China. What? I don't know <laughs> where they're mm. pulling that one from or why they think it's in China. Some people think uh, that knights, the knights, of the Round Table, King Arthur, like <laughs> these knights came and took it. It's like okay, 
All right. Some of these just get crazy. And then crazy. Big, Bigfoot came along, and then he snatched it up. I wouldn't believe it, you know? But <laughs> Me neither. Careful what you read out there, Pilgrims. That's but what's, what's the bottom line, you know? like the, the bottom line, I would say, if we had, like, a top three okay. bottom line, here's what we know for certain. Number one, it existed. Yes. And we have extra biblical writings that mention the ark. We have uh, lots of proof. We have, uh, first of all, the Bible in and of itself, which is undeniably true. Uh, and we know that it existed as we look at these extra biblical writings and all these other artifacts and all these people and the, the uh, what is it, the early church fathers. Everyone mm-hmm. writes about it as being a fact, not something that was made up. So, so the e- even historians that, that don't believe in the biblical narrative will agree that the Ark actually existed. What they have a problem with is that the Ark had these supernatural powers. Okay, right. so But we know uh, that the Ark actually existed. And I would say number two, what we know for certain, is that the Ark has already served its purpose. Yeah, it's already uh, been the, the mercy seat for the old law. And once that was done away with, there's no need for it anymore. Like miracles. You yeah. know, you have miracles in the New Testament, so some, and in the Old Testament, really. Um, but people will say, hey, I would believe in God if I could just see a miracle. Mm. If, if there was only uh, some supernatural proof that God exists, then I would believe. So why aren't there miracles anymore? Well, it's the same reason why uh, we don't have the ark and why the ark is not still doing its thing today, because they already served their purpose. When a miracle was performed, it was to prove that Jesus was the Son of God or that God existed and or he's help, real. Yeah, or to help build up the, the first century church to right, prove right, the right. apostles. Right. That is no longer needed anymore. Mm-hmm. They served their purpose. What's done is done. Same with the Ark of the Covenant. The old law helped the nation of Israel bring about the line of Judah, which mm-hmm. brought about the Messiah, which brought about, about Jesus, which is now basically our Ark of the Covenant. Right, right. So, yeah, that's, I mean, if we were to open up the Ark of the Covenant today, you know, that's a question that a lot of people have. Yeah. What would happen? And that question comes from Indiana Jones. Yes, I know it does. People wouldn't be asking that, probably. You know, if if they didn't watch that movie, because you see in that movie they open it and there's like this crazy wind and then everyone starts melting, melting and down. yeah, crazy stuff. That, that scarred me as a kid. Watching yeah. That. Oh yeah. I know. That, that's not gonna happen. So here's what here the third thing then that we know yes, for yeah, certain yeah, yeah. is that if we found the Ark of the Covenant, it would be nothing more than, than a very intriguing ancient artifact of right. biblical importance. And I would still love to see it if they found it and put it in a museum because of what it represents, what mm-hmm. the Ark has been through. And the fact that you'd be looking at an object that, that God at some point actually came down and resided on and actually yep. killed someone. Yep. And actually several, several people, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, whole nations were either blessed or cursed by the Ark. It's, mm-hmm. it's very fascinating to, to read some of the accounts of the Ark. And I encourage you, listeners, to check it out. Just look at it. Just read some of these things in Scripture because, you know, that's really the point that we're trying to get across. The Bible's not boring. It's got some crazy stuff in it. And if we start reading through, we can start to see just how amazing the Bible is. Oh, yes, indeed. And we have a bonus for you, dear listeners. Some people have a question about Uzzah. And did God strike him down unjustly? Well, allow me to phone a friend. Here's Neil Pollard talking about that in a little bit more detail. us a death unfair you'll find at least 22,000 hits most of which address the idea 
In case you're having a momentary brain cramp over exactly who Uzzah was, he was the man who died when he tried to steady the Ark of the Covenant as David arranged for it to come back to Jerusalem. Since the last day of Eli's life, the Philistines had had it. That nation, given the trouble that they received from God for keeping it, returned it to Israel, to Kiriath-Jerim, where Eliezer was, was charged to keep it at Abinadab's house on the hill. And then following Saul's reign, David wanted to bring it back to Jerusalem. Abinadab's sons, Uzzah and Ahio, set the ark on a new cart and began the journey toward Jerusalem. At Nacon's threshing floor, the oxen stumble, and Uzzah takes hold of the ark. And there God struck him down for his irreverence. He died there by the ark of God, 2 Samuel 6, 7. And David's so angry because of the Lord's outburst against Uzzah that he calls the site of that place Perez-Uzzah. One might ask why God reacted in what the modern mind sees as a harsh way, simply for steadying the ark after the oxen stumbled. In 1 Chronicles 15, we have several answers. First, David said it was because we did not consult God about the proper order, verse 13. In other words, Israel took it on themselves to move the ark, which they knew was the place where the glory of the Lord resided, without regard to how God commanded it to be done. Jeremiah says that it is not in man to direct his own steps, Jeremiah 10.23. Second, they had gotten away from their spiritual roots. In this case, their spiritual roots were what Moses commanded according to the word of the Lord. In 1 Chronicles 15.15, God had an established, authorized way to carry the ark, which the writers review in this verse. On this occasion, they did as Moses revealed. The Levites bore the ark of God on their shoulders by its poles, verse 15. And finally, they tried to get it by, they tried to get by on self-reliance, verse 26. Their newly rediscovered reverence following Uzzah's death led David, the Levites, and all Israel to see that God helped the Levites who bore the ark of the covenant. The spirit of dependency apparently did not exist when Uzzah walked behind the ox cart. Is it unfair for God to want His people to consult Him, to be true to their spiritual roots, to properly regard and revere Him and to rely on Him? Certainly not. Uzzah certainly shows us the grave danger that we face by trying to go out on our own without reverence toward, reliance upon, and recognition of God and His power and His authority in our lives. Next time you pick up the Bible, look down at it, and think, this is a piece of God's mind. Mm. It is the only book that God ever wrote. The people that wrote the Bible were inspired. God breathed through them to write down the thoughts that originated from heaven in God's mind. Mm. That's incredible. Mind-blowing. We don't have the Ark of the Covenant, but we do have a book straight from God, and that's why we have a podcast called... The The Bible's Bible's Not Boring. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, give it a share. Give it a like. Give it it a like if you so uh, desire. And we'll catch you next Wednesday. That's right.